0: Good morning. It is Thursday, December 23rd. You are listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Lance Glynn. Before we start, I just want to mention a few games on tap today at 3.30 Eastern, the Frisco Football Classic between North Texas and Miami, Ohio. And then at 7 p.m. Eastern, a game I'm really interested in, the Gasparilla Bowl between Central Florida and Florida. But today we will be talking about the Oregon Ducks. Obviously in the news over the last month with Mario Cristobal's departure to Miami, and hiring Georgia defensive coordinator Dan Lanning as the new head coach. And joining me now to discuss the program and more is Matt Prem of 247sportsduckterritory.com. Matt, how are we doing? Thanks so much for coming on.
1: Absolutely. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing good. And, and I want to start, and this is kind of funny, you know, I, I was thinking about what to ask you and, and right. obviously an article has popped up on another site about it. And so many people were talking about it. It was the, the famous Oregon Twitter space that I think <laughs> happened right after Dan Lanning was hired. And for those who don't know what Twitter spaces is, it's basically a chat room someone can set up on Twitter that people can join and Those people obviously very often have similar interests to what is being discussed in the room. They can give their thoughts, listen to what others have to say. So Oregon fans, I think it was a rapper, set one up and a very few interesting people joined the chat and gave their two cents on everything going on. So Matt, I saw you tweet about it when it was happening. Can you just break down exactly what went down in the Twitter space, who joined and what was ultimately said about Dan Lanning and the hire?
1: Yeah, from an Oregon perspective, who joined, it's more of who didn't join, because you had the Oregon Athletic Director, Rob Mullins, at one point getting on through his wife's Twitter account, because he does not have Twitter, uh, personal Twitter account. We saw some of the best former players in program history get on this Twitter space. And then there were media members, current players, there were parents of current players, there were parents of recruits. There were just, and then there were just a bunch of average fans, the the regular fan that that maybe goes to one or two games a year, and you know because they don't live near near Austin Stadium or the, the fan that that goes every year uh, to every game. Um, and it was pretty cool. It was set up by a couple fans, and then it just kind of organically grew as the coaching search under Mario Cristobal played out. One day there was a Friday night, the day before Dan Lanning's hire became. Official, I guess his younger brother actually got on and spent about two and a half hours Friday night. It was like a eight to like ten p.m. Pacific time discussion, just talking everything Dan Lanning from his younger brother's perspective. Um, and then it morphed into just college football. And the best way I could sum it up was it was like a mix of old school AM sports talk radio in a in a bar setting with a panel of experts, and a panel of Duck fans just all kind of talking. And it, it was really cool. It was organic, and it was, it was just a, a unique thing. And it, it grew up to, I think, at one point, there were over 3,000 people in the Twitter space at one time. And you mentioned his brother joining and Oregon athletic
0: director, Rob Mullins joining. Now, could you remember a time where did you, I guess, expect in this coaching search to hear Rob Mullins first, I guess, comments regarding the hire via Twitter space? I mean, that must've been just a, a crazy first for you. And frankly, for, for most media media people, let's be real, uh, to see something Twitter spaces is still relatively new, uh, to see, uh, the athletic director's first initial comments about the hire come from a Twitter space as opposed to a traditional, you know, press conference or sure. or press release or, or something like that.
1: Yeah, it was it was um surprising to see him on there. But at the same time, it really wasn't because that's kind of what's made Oregon. So I guess air quotes cool or exciting or attractive is they are a program that could be described as a disruptor. You know, they they went and put Joey Harrington's face and body on times square for everyone to see for a heisman campaign they are the ones that that created the flashy uniforms and you know the the rotation every single game having a different combination they had way back when when twitter first started they had this thing called the quack cave and it was literally an organization inside the athletic department that sole focus was to monitor and promote stuff on social media that was related to Oregon athletics. So um, it was exciting. It was cool. It was surprising that Rob Mullins did it, but it fits their MO. Um, they, they always are you know ahead of everybody else in terms of communication or ways of building facilities or uniforms or what have you. It's just their nature. And so it was just following in their footsteps of what they've done previously.
0: Yeah. The Ducks clearly ahead of the times when it comes to, uh, like you said, being cool and and social media and everything like that. So with that Twitter pace, uh, with the Twitter spaces obviously seemed very positive as mentioned, a lot of praise regarding the hire. What have you heard from the players? And you mentioned somewhere on that Twitter space, whether it was current players or former players about Dan Lanning and how they viewed the, the decision to bring him in as head coach.
1: For the most part, a lot of the former players are on board with this hire. There was a letter that was distributed by some of the biggest names in Oregon football um, the last 20 or so years, um, a little bit dating further back than that as well, um, of some guys that they, they signed the letter and sent it to Rob Mullins, Oregon's athletic director, and they gave it to him on Monday. So Cristobal took the job on a Monday, Mullins got this letter Monday night or, or Tuesday, and it was them asking that that they at least consider going back to their roots and, and finding a coach that exemplifies what built Oregon into who they are today um, because they've, they felt like they've, they've lost some of that connection. And after the last two coaches leaving for jobs closer to home, and they saying it, it feels a little bit like Oregon was being used as a stepping stone for a bigger job. That letter didn't get released until the day – before Dan Lanning's introductory press conference. So that kind of, from a public standpoint, the public didn't know about it until literally 18 hours before Dan Lanning spoke. Um, And that kind of shifted the narrative a little bit because it made it look like some players were not happy with the hire. Joey Harrington was the creator of it and he went on twitter space and then he spent the next week going on all the local radio stations in the state of Oregon and national as well talking about it and he he backed Dan Lanning and he was upset that the letter got out at the time that it did because it was 4 or 5 days old when the letter went public by whoever released it we don't still don't know who who released it to to the media um, and so it presented a narrative that there was some fans or there were some former players that had a pushback against the hire. And All of those coaches, all those guys that were on that list basically came out and, and said, no, like we we support Dan Lanning. We were just wanting at the earlier part of the search to see some connection to the Oregon's past. Um, current players have said that they're excited about the Dan Lanning hire. The guys that we've spoken with have, have cited obviously his track record at Georgia and, and what the defense has done this season. and. It's maybe the best defense ever from a statistical standpoint. Um, you can make that argument. Vero McKinley, Oregon's All-American Consensus, All-American Safety, said that he, he's very excited to, to meet him and to build that relationship. And he, he made the comment of how could you not respect what he's done at Georgia? And he comes in with a defensive mindset and that he liked that as well. Alex Forsyth, Oregon starting center and all-conference player, said that, you know, the track record speaks for itself, and he's, he's very excited to get to know him and, and learn from him. Alex Forsyth's already said he's coming back for his sixth year of college football with the extra year of eligibility. So I think the overall reaction internally is a, a very positive one. And then I want to just ask on the, the flip
0: side of that, not necessarily the flip side of, of any negativity, but obviously the coach that departed, Mario Cristobal, and it's something that I'm really curious about. How is Cristobal's tenure at Oregon viewed? You know, obviously a lot of success, a Rose Bowl, two Pac-12 titles, but they were, ne- they were never able to break into the playoffs and, and of course didn't finish this season, at least how they would have hoped. What is the fan perception of the Cristobal era in Eugene now that it's over and it's been, you know, a couple weeks since it
1: ended? Yeah, I think everyone, most Duck fan understands why Crystal Ball left. Uh, he went home to to coach the university that he played for, and his mother is sick, and that's where she's at. And so I think the understanding of the why Crystal Ball left, everyone is on board with that here out in Oregon. Um, some people do have some uneasiness of the execution of that move uh because he was very adamant you know nothing was happening immediately after the, the pacto championship game he went out recruiting on Saturday nothing happened on Sunday and then on Monday, he goes to 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 Miami. Um, I, I genuinely believe Cristobal was torn on that decision. He said it that, that he has been covering him the last four years. You could see, I think, just in his body uh, mannerisms that he it, it was a very tough decision for him to leave Oregon. And I think Miami was one of maybe a two or three jobs that he would have left the University of Oregon for his career at Oregon, his time at Oregon. To so simply put it, he left Oregon in a better place than when he when he got here. Uh he showed up as a coordinator in 2017, was elevated to head coach ahead of the Las Vegas bowl game um that season. Spent 4 years as the full-time four full years as the head head coach and you know, he changed the narrative of recruiting um, Scott Frost is famous here out out west uh, for when he got to UCF, saying that you know you could not recruit at Oregon when he was the offensive coordinator. And Cristobal put that to rest very quickly. You know, three of the best recruiting classes in program history, some of the best players to ever sign with Oregon's football program were under Mario Cristobal. I do think there is probably some growth that Cristobal will need to show from an in-game perspective when he gets to Miami. Um, there were plenty of times where his clock management or his in-game adjustments or his in-game scheming uh, was not to the level that you would expect him to, to be at. Um, and, and so there's a feeling of lack of development, maybe at quarterback, lack of clock management. There's more multiple games where they've made some mistakes in that regard are, are areas that he can improve on. But all in all, I, I think this this program is way better than what it was when he got here. Uh, and he's, he's left a, a foundation for Dan Lanning to build off of Um, that could propel Oregon again to higher heights.
0: And you mentioned the quarterback position there, and I want to ask you – uh, about that. What can you tell me about the decision to bring in Bo Nix? Look, I understand that the current staff now didn't recruit Ty Thompson, but he's obviously very highly regarded in 24-7 sports, clearly thinks a lot of him. Obviously, quarterback depth is important and it's not like the new staff was just going to hand Ty Thompson the job, but I was surprised to see them bring in someone with as big a name as Bo Nix instead of a more, I guess, under the radar type of transfer to compete with Thompson, sure, but to still likely be the backup and at least have Ty Thompson be the guy to to start the season, uh, you know assuming he he runs with it and succeeds.
1: The decision to go Bo Nicks is an interesting one. I felt like they needed to go get a grad or some kind of transfer quarterback in this class because Ty Thompson played in basically two games and he played a full half against Sony Brook in the second half and he looked all right. I don't think anyone would come out and say that he looked bad. But I don't think anyone could go out and justify that he looked amazing in that one half against Stony Brook. And then the the following week he played against Arizona and he got a couple a couple series and then he did not look good. And that and that opportunity that he he got into the game, and so I think they needed to get a, a quarterback from the portal just because we don't know what they have with Ty Thompson or the guys beh- next to him, and then current freshman Jay Butterfield and, and current freshman Robbie Ashford. All three of those guys have have very minimal snaps, and I understand that that you've you've gone on and, and we've seen other places when at the highest of levels of football with a young quarterback that has no experience or very little experience playing in a room full of uh, inexperienced quarterbacks. We've seen it. I mean, Alabama is a testament to that, but it's only one or two programs. And I felt like this team was ready to go and in a position where they could continue to win at a high level if they had solid quarterback play. And you just don't know what, what they have. With three freshmen. So, going out and getting a Bo Nix makes sense because he's played in Kenny Dillingham's offense. Uh, Dillingham was the offensive coordinator at Auburn in 2019, and he's now the new hired offensive coordinator for Oregon. Uh, so, you have an idea, you have a player that, that knows the system to an extent, knows kind of what it's like to work and play under Kenny Dillingham. He's not going to face any defense in the Pac 12 that's as good as what he faced the last three years in the sec when he was playing for auburn now he does have to play georgia week one so that will be a reminder of things but after that game he won't face anyone that comes close to what he faced year in year out game in game out in the sec so you would think the level of competition drops his level of play should go up it's a safe move and if look if ty thompson is as good as what the fan base out here wants him to be you know the bo Nicks transfer means nothing because Ty Thompson wins the job, goes on to have a great year. But if he's not as good as he's expected to be by the fan base, um, I have my reservations. Um, And if he's not as good, you have a quarterback now that's coming in expecting to start. No, he looked at this job and probably thought it's open. I, I have an opportunity. I have a good opportunity to go in and win that job for one, maybe two seasons.
0: Matt, I'll let you go after this one. As Dan Lanning continues making Oregon or turning Oregon into, into his vision, what do you think is next on his to-do list? There's obviously a recruiting dead period right now, the more traditional signing day in February. I'm sure there's still some coaching moves to make. Where does Dan Lanning go from here? What do you think is top priority for him moving forward?
1: Yeah, first he needs to fill out his coaching staff. That's the most important one. He's he's made uh, a couple of hires from on-field position coaches, but um, I, I would expect we'll have more movement um, on that as the bowl season plays out, more and more teams finish up their seasons. And then it wouldn't surprise me if if he brings some people over from Georgia. Um, maybe those are support people that, that come with him. Um, so I think that's the first and foremost move is he needs to fill out his coaching staff. Secondly, uh, it's recruiting the 2022 class and recruiting your current team to stick with you. I mean, first of all, there's two guys that are in the portal right now that are from Oregon. Um, DJ James is a starting cornerback. Jason Jones is a very promising defensive lineman. If you can convince one or both of those guys to return, that would be phenomenal for Oregon. Your 2022 recruiting class, you've got seven guys signed You've got a commitment from Bo Nix as a transfer. And then you've got four guys that are committed that did not sign with any schools four star Dave Uli, four star Trey John Williams, excuse me, four star Grayson Halton, and then three star receiver Stephen Johnson. You want to get, make sure all four of those guys lock in and sign with you. They're the late period now for, from a recruiting standpoint. Then you've got a couple other guys that decommitted that, that are still out there and haven't signed. TJ Dudley is a four-star linebacker. Jalil Florence is a four-star cornerback. And Marion Winston is a three-star defensive edge player. If you can go out and, and land those three guys and get them back into your fold, uh, that helps. Um, that that will be a big win for you. And then it's hit the portal. 2023 is important. You need to go out and start recruiting that. But 2023 can't help you in the 2022 football season. You need to go and get some guys in the portal. Um, safety cornerback are positions that are, are really thin right now. Receiver is a position that's really thin right now. Defensive edge edge players or defensive linemen are, are another area I think you could justify going into the portal. I asked Landing on signing day, well, how important will the portal be for you? He said he would be doing a disservice to the university if he did not explore the options. He's obviously done that, and but he's not going to just shop there entirely for players. That's not where he's going to spend his entire time. But Right now, that's where he needs to be. 2022, filling out this class and then going into the portal and seeing if he can fill any small holes left that the 2022 class hasn't filled. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt Prem. Matt, thanks so much for joining me and for giving me some time today.
0: Absolutely. Make sure to check out duckterritory.com for everything there is to know about the Oregon Ducks. For Matt Prem, I am Lance Glenn. Tune in tomorrow for the next edition of the College Football Daily.